Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams. It's March 27, 2015. Into part two of Albert Barnes' commentary on Revelations 8, uh, Revelation 18. <sighs> what a morning it's been so far. <clears throat> So where do I go from here? So uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna share these emails from somebody who's been emailing me about uh, my series Wacky Wednesday, Nephilim. I'm not gonna mention any names to protect their anonymity, uh, but um, I think it's a good reflection of the things that we're going through. As far as uh, how confused the church is and how confused so many people are. Um, about this um, confusing the message about the, the, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith alone Jesus Christ and scripture scriptures alone and uh, this person obviously uh, was very much affected by this at least the little bit that they listened to. <clears throat> and now, of course, it was four parts, and it was a lengthy study. And so I doubt very much that they listened to the whole thing, if, if even the whole thing of one episode, let alone that. So anyways, it says this. Of course, my opinion doesn't mean much, but I was surprised to see you... I surprised you see to be very strongly against the Nephilim evidence. And this is so tiring. This is this this is a subject well known to Indian folk lore, Indian to, to Indian folk, as well to well known to Americans in general prior to the Civil War. Lincoln even mentioned this well known fact in Speech. Now, <clears throat> let's look address that right now. There is certainly Indian folklore of people that were of large stature, and uh, apparently they have found bones, although I can't prove it. And there's supposed to be some kind of con- conspiracy about hiding it from us. <clears throat> but we look at Revela- <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Bible prior to the flood, that people lived much longer. And if you look at some of the Logically, they would get bigger and stronger and that kind of thing. The environment was better and all that. And even afterwards, probably through diet and all that. And then we have to look at uh, uh, variations within our uh, the human and humans, and that uh, some are very are dwarfs, and some you know get to eight nine feet tall. And it certainly would be um, populations that were large. We look at uh, the Canaanites and all that jazz. So. Yeah, so this does not prove the Nephilim evidence. It doesn't prove anything about Nephilim. Nothing. It just says that there's variations and there are some groups of people that were large, larger than others. That's all that, that, you know, the science behind that is. And uh, as I just showed in, in the part four, um, that, you know, they were talking about China and 1.3 plus billion people, that they're all sorts and shapes and sizes and all sorts of things. Just as there is throughout the rest of the world. <clears throat> and if you look at uh, the NBA, you can look at all these folks, whether it's the Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, look how big he was, or a Chinese basketball player, etc. So, has always been large people and small people, and everything in between. That proves nothing at all to the fable of the Nephilim and their <clears throat> fallen angels, uh, spiritual beings coming down and mating with physical beings, us humans. There's nothing. There's nothing there. In fact, was, my argument has always been, is that there has been, of recent is that it's actually a mockery of God and it's, uh, it's blasphemy and that it is something that um, 
to put Satan and his fallen angels in the same category as God and what God did, um, the Immaculate Conception of uh, Mary and uh, Christ being born is, is, is blasphemous. God's Holy Spirit did that, and God is the one who created all of us. He's the creator, and none of those fallen angels or Satan are capable of creating life. They never have been, and they never will be. There's nothing in the Bible to support it. Now, if you want to believe in that, that's your business. But anybody who's even tried to read it, the book of Enoch should come away. I've listened to it and tried to read it. And by the way, it's the most incomprehensible book you've ever read, read in your life. So come on, let's be honest about things. And, and what I find is most people who support this whole notion haven't really read it and studied it as far as the book of Enoch goes. They haven't. They haven't really spent any real serious time investigating it and trying to make sense or head tales of it. And uh, the only people that seem to know how to, to make heads and tails of it are the ones who are Nephilim book sales or salesmen or people who have websites or somehow try and promote these extra non-biblical, non-texts uh, like the Book of Enoch. So. As far as Indian folk folks or folklore, that <clears throat> that's neither here or there. That has nothing to do with it. And with Lincoln recognizing that there were large bones found in this country doesn't mean anything. They did not support the Nephilim hybrid theory that comes from uh, false teachers like Missler. L.A. Marzulli, um, Tom Horn, etc. You know, <clears throat> comes down to this. You know, I, you know, you can. I I forgive. I have to look at myself. You know, I have uh, I've shared false teaching with people myself, and I had to repent on this show and admit that I was wrong. And try to rectify it the best that I can. Um, and um, when it comes to this fable about the Nephilims, um, I'm sorry, there's just not enough evidence there, and it's just a matter of twisting scriptures to support your fable. And I do believe that it is a another avenue that the Jesuits and the Romans using to. Um, lead people back to Romanism and legalism and their false religion. And um, So anyways, let's we'll, we'll listen read more of this. Uh, this is a long, he texted me quite a few texts, but I think I'm going to address it anyways because it's disturbing for someone who says that they've been a Christian for such a long time to fall into this trap. <clears throat> And I also want to demonstrate, too, how how manipulative it is, too. I don't know if they're intentionally doing it or not. I don't know if they're, keep, if they're consciously thinking of what they're doing or not. But it needs to, I, I feel I should address this. And I know we're talking about doing a commentary, Revelation 18, but we will get there. So anyways... So and so it says here that the subjects were known with Indian folk as well as known to Americans in general prior to the Civil War. Lincoln even mentioned this well-known fact in the speech. And of course, there's no documentation in any of these things. And that's a responsible thing to do if you're going to be pushing this kind of stuff. Is send the documentation. Please send the documentation. So much, so much new evidence are coming forth. Unfortunately, the evolution and anti-Christ crowd will help the Smithsonian Museum have, have done a good job destroying the evidence. Yeah, now I've heard this, and I've heard this from the same people that say the same things, the same ones who have an agenda behind that, and this is sell books and you know get people to come to their. Um, Prophecy seminars that seem to be all over the map. Not just seem to be the are all over the map. <clears throat> you know, listen. 
maybe there is. Maybe there is a cover-up as far as large bones of uh, femur bones of humanity, but that does not, once again, support this whole fallen angel Nephilim theory. doesn't. It says here, why? Because the fallen slash Nephilim theory explains many great questions of the Bible, like the flood and the command for Israel to destroy all living things in the promised land. Um, yeah, I guess that's a way of rationalizing it, but it doesn't prove it at all. It doesn't. It's a way of you rationalizing it or allowing somebody else to rationalize it. But then there's the Bible and there's a reason why. It does explain itself why the flood happened. And um, nowhere does it say it's because of some kind of genetic uh, mutation. There's nowhere it says that. It talks about the sin of man and how corrupted they become, how vile they become, how they uh, abandon the truth of God and followed after false gods. And um, it doesn't say anything about genes. Now, if you want to believe that, that's fine. That's your prerogative, but it's not based on anything hard except the fact that you believe it. There's no hard evidence on it. There's no uh, factual evidence. There's no biblical evidence. And... um, you know, maybe the Smithsonian is hiding these big bones. But, you know, from all my research, these accusations are not backed up by anything substantial. So whether it's Steve Quayle or Tom Horn or uh, L.A. Mazzurli or um, Skyba or Hemp or wherever it may be, I mean, listen, all these guys are all part of this prophecy tour seminar, prophecy seminar tour movement, selling their books and their their wares. And, you know, give me some evidence. That's not asking very much. Give me the proof. Don't just your speculation. And speculation is just that, speculation. You want to believe it? Believe it. I'm not going to. I'm not buying into the fact that fallen angels have the ability to procreate with man. Now, demons, fallen angels, have the ability to possess you. But not to procreate with you. There's never been one example ever, ever, of it. And it's just another fable to lead you away from the basic truths of the gospel and the word of God. And we're forewarned about all this anyways in the Bible. So this sort of things would happen. So please give me the evidence. Give me the evidence. Don't just quote things from somebody else that what they say, because all that is is regurgitating for man, a corrupt man, and then saying that it's the truth. I'm not going to buy into it. Okay, so this is like the flood and command of Israel to destroy all the living things in the promised land. Also, the subject has been an awesome missionary tool with young people. We have seen this cover-up in, and it says here in Chico, recently a giant femur bone from a giant human was found, and the workmen were told to rebury the bone and not talk about it in the Chico uh, Anthropology Department. I know the workers personally. Some interesting books on Earth's early ages by uh, Pember, ancient giants who ruled America. Now, listen, once again, we look at what people were like prior to the flood and lived 900 years. And this, and that, you know, possibly could be that what we call Neanderthals were actually these people. Possibly. 
most likely, but, you know, not definitively, just the way it is. And as far as some femur bone they found and they told to bury it and, you know, and there's some kind of conspiracy, well, maybe there is a conspiracy. That still does not prove at all. Not one bit. And I strongly suggest people go back and won't listen to the series because I'm not going to waste my time going over Revelations or Genesis 6 and all the other scriptures that have been twisted. You can more if you're interested, go back and listen to it. I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in it because, you know, I've already done my research and spent endless hours listening to videos, reading, and trying to find something that was of any great value to prop up and support the claim <clears throat> that fallen angels mated with women. So far, nothing has proven this point. It just says that we found large human bones. Large-esque. Anyways, where are we at in all this? So anyways, yeah, we'll look at this. We'll, we'll go here and we'll look at Pember's book and see how much great information. He should have great documentation. By the way, documentation doesn't mean referring to other books alone, but the scientific evidence behind it. And just quoting, you know, writing a book quoting from Eli Marzulli or Forrester or um, Pi or um, Skyba or Hemp or uh, Tim Horn or all these other, you know, Quail, all these other Nephilim book salesmen does not equate to serious scholarship. It doesn't. It's just quoting other booksellers. <clears throat> That's it. I'm not being unreasonable about this, by the way, folks. I'm not being judgmental. I mean, this is just there's certain standards that you have to go by to make a such bold claims. Ancient giants who ruled America. Okay, so there's another one of these great books. And I guarantee you, folks, if you're interested in looking at it, but, you know, do read with a skeptical eye. Ask the critical questions and ask them to demonstrate some real proof. And what they generally do is just share stories, legends, fables. Nephilim and the Pyramids of the Apocalypse. Take another look at this. It is very helpful. So what if the guys studying this field make a book doing this that is irrelevant. Oh, yes, it is very relevant. Now we're talking about the Word of God. And money, I've discovered, money and the Word of God don't mix very well. They just don't mix very well. And we do have to question man's motives. And knowing that none is good but one, God, that includes the person that's reading the, that, that sent this to me and myself, we do have to question everything and their motives, why they're doing what they're doing. What is their motives? A lot of these guys are really, they profiteer a lot in fear porn, twisting the scriptures and giving themselves a buck in the process and a name. And, um, yes, it's very important. It's not irrelevant. It's extremely important. It's always been a fundamental principle in research that you always follow the money. Follow the money. Follow the money. And you'll discover some amazing things. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> do, uh, you know, this whole thing, this, we've been uh, told over and over again that we're not supposed to judge. Yet we're supposed to judge. And the Bible says we're supposed to judge by their fruits. 
We're supposed to judge them. Are they teaching actually biblical truths? Or are they have something other motive? You know, if they have a book and they have like three or four scriptures or a handful of scriptures and the rest of it is just uh, stories and their opinion and speculation, then we have to accept that that's what it is, stories, speculation, and their opinion. And there's nothing more than that. Now, if you want to base your life on that, you want to go through life believing such a thing, that's your prerogative. As you say, liberty. But it's not liberty in Christ. It's just liberty and deception and a lie. <clears throat> well, whatever. Who cares what I think anyways? God bless. P.S. Nephilim theory destroys evolution. Actually, the problem with the Nephilim theory is that it actually promotes a spiritual evolution and somehow these fallen angels have the power and ability to create life, procreate life, or mix, mix up, uh, uh, control it, you know, somehow manipulate it. And in truth, the Nephilim theory does nothing to destroy evolution, period, because it's a theory based on very flimsy evidence. And so the truth of the matter is, yes, the bone thing, large femur bones, skulls, that kind of stuff, and, you know, whether they're 8 feet or 9 feet or they're, you know, 12 feet or 36 feet, I mean, it's all questionable, the height and all that kind of stuff. It's, once again, no solid evidence to support any of it, what the height is. But it is logical to think that if people lived much longer, if the Bible is telling truth, which I believe it is, myself, because I believe the Bible is the Word of God at this point, that uh, they would be larger. And that aspect, yeah, does contribute to the whole evolution thing. Is, uh, uh, helps to destroy it. But to discredit the whole thing, and see, this is the interesting thing, by using this whole fallen angel mating with women theory actually discredits what you're saying. That's the irony of it all. Because nobody in their right mind, and I mean that sincerely, and I don't mean dis- disrespectfully, is going to, you know, re- you know, just flat out buy into the fact that Satan and his angels, his demons, are able to mate with women. You have to, you know, first of all, ask yourself, give us one, to, you know, there should be one example, even in the Bible, should be an example of that. And there is none. It's just twisting the scriptures. Once again, go back to the series. Look at those who have critically looked through it and asked the questions. And I'm just so, you know, this is ridiculous sometimes. So, you know, I sent them the Second Timothy 4, 4. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths or fables, depending on, you know, which, uh, maybe there's King James or whatever. So, and we can look at it. What the heck? <clears throat> so, Second Timothy, this talks about something about that in particular. You know, it says here, it says, uh, like King James, uh, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall turn unto the fables. This is a fine example of this. And then the endless, all these different translations, they all say the same thing, basically. And then if you look at uh, Matthew Henry's, uh, people will turn away, this is com- his con- concise commentary, People will turn away from the truth and they will grow weary of the plain gospel of Christ and they will be greedy of fables and take pleasure in them. And people do so when they will not endure that preaching which is searching plain and to the purpose. Those who love souls must be be ever watchful and must venture and bear all the painful effects of their faithfulness, and take all opportunities of making known the pure gospel. And I can tell you right now, uh, this whole Nephilim thing has nothing to do with the pure gospel. It is a fable. And it's just 
I, I don't know what else to say except that you know, use some use your God-given uh, ability to critically think before you just buy into things. And just because a smooth talker like Quail or Skyba or a Missler talks about it, you know what? You need to always double-check it. Check the facts. Don't get emotional about it. Just check the facts. Prove it. It should become, at some point, very... Uh, you should be able to prove it, demonstrate it. It's uh, uh, it's factual accurateness. You know what I mean? Listen, if it, if people have known about these uh, great big bones in America for 200 years, eventually, I'm sorry, as fascist as, uh, of a police state as America is and has become, and is becoming as well, you know, there should be somebody somewhere with a, you know, Holding on to this stuff. Proof. Evidence. More uh, photographs. More than just one or two. Look, you know, um, I'm willing to accept the fact that there were large-esque people, people that they might consider giants, that lived on this earth. Why not? Why not? That does not prove the fact that uh, fallen angels mated with women. I'm sorry. It doesn't. It doesn't have any proof to that. As far as uh, dinosaurs go, what we call dinosaur days, but they used to call dragons, you know. Were men living with dragons and dinosaurs 100, 200, 300 years ago? Why not? Well, you know, all you do is just look at how many uh, species have been ex- driven to extinction by mankind. Why not? Who knows? There's not a lot of solid, hard evidence to prove it one way or the other. But by the way, that's the same. You know, that same can be said about dating these dinosaur bones to millions of years. The dating process itself is dreadfully inaccurate. It's a, it is really subject to what a, a, what a man's bias is. So if he wants to start out with the notion that he wants to prove that dinosaur bones are millions of years old. He'll eventually uh, find a date that satisfies his bias. The dating process, whether uh, carbon dating or uh, other nuclear forms of dating, all are very flawed and are not really reliable. This is understood in the scientific community. And if there are groups of people out there that are in, in the Masonian institution, which, by the way, which makes, outside of the fact that they're out to totally attack the Bible and disprove it, which, once again, the Bible was never about giants. It was about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, his life, his mission. That's why there wasn't very much energy and effort put into it about giants because it was never the, the, the message of importance. But it is a clever thing to do, especially if you want people to deviate, walk away, not focus on the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, first of all, this is the next uh, uh, so yeah, I sent that. So then he, re- this person responded. First of all, all I'm responding in a good-natured sense of fun discussion. Okay. <laughs> right there is very manipulative. I don't know if that person realizes what he's doing. I don't think he does. Uh, I see this over and over again with quote-unquote Christians and others. Um, that they get emotional and they start throwing things extra beyond the topic. And start saying stuff, well, you know, all I am responding is a good-natured sense of fun discussion. 
Uh, if you see it that way, it's obvious that the first text or first email is not the case. But if you want to say that, great. As I doubt how one feels about the Nephilim affects their salvation. Um, I think it does, actually. I think it does. It's blasphemous to think that fallen angels can mate with women. And it does lead to Romanism and idolatry. I think it's a very important issue that we nip in the butt and say, listen, forget it. Move on. It's a fable. <clears throat> Bible says these things too, and then left space that's what would happen. That we'd be more interested in fables than the truth. And we're all guilty of this, but that's why we have to talk about these things to correct ourselves and get back on the right path. I do not see how this scripture applies either. And he's talking about now uh second Timothy four four. I think there's plenty of science behind the idea. Okay, uh, you think so, um, but uh, where is the actual science? Thinking that, assuming that, and another thing, then the science are two different things. Back it up with the data. Okay, then it goes, the book of Enoch explains the situation well. Most, not all, conservative biblical scholars consider the book Enoch inspired history, not scripture, but worthy of study since the Bible quotes from the book of Enoch. Does it? Does it actually quote from the book of Enoch? And here's the other thing. You better prove that one. Just because it mentions Enoch doesn't necessarily mean it quotes from the book of Enoch. Secondly, conservative Bible scholars all come to the same conclusion that the book of Enoch is really not that reliable. It's one of the reasons why they took it out of the Bible to begin with. It's one of the Apocryphas and all those books in the Apocryphas that took it out for a reason. Because it leads back to idolatry and Romanism. Secondly, or whatever I'm at, what point am I at? Third, whatever. Um, anybody who tries to read the book of Enoch Honestly, sincerely, it can, can only come to one conclusion, that it's a bunch of gibberish. I'm sorry. You, you know what? Every person I've heard is quoted from, and they quote the same few verses out of a whole big book. And that's because you can't make heads or tails of it. So what what it's really good for? is promoting idolatry, Romanism, and fables. That's what it's good for. That's about it. That is literally about all it is good for. And I know it tries to explain this whole, you know, a man's interaction with, uh, supposedly this was supposed to, interaction with uh, the spirit world, if you will, and demons and fallen angels and all that. But listen, just because it came from the Jews, well, let's remember that the Jews have been apostate throughout the whole history of their, since the, you know, uh, Moses came out of Egypt. Very few of, quote-unquote, Jews, followers of the Torah and the Old Testament, the Word of God, if you will, actually followed it. When Christ showed up, how many of them actually even recognized who he was? So just because it came from the Jews doesn't mean anything. The Talmud came from the Jews. They weren't all great. Most of them, just like today, like most of us, were corrupt. Were corrupt back then. So just because they wrote a book book of Enoch doesn't mean that that book was any more legit than Stephen King's books are based on reality. I imagine someday people will come and find Stephen King's books and all the many of them and authors like him and say, wow, there must be something real to this. You think? Okay, uh, so, so, but most serious conservative Bible scholars actually do not recognize the book of Enoch. They don't. 
Now, I know who he's, he's now going back to people like Misler and um, L.A. Missouri, whatever, whatever, Missouri and uh, Quail and uh, Torn and all these guys. And no serious scholars consider them actually serious scholars. You know, has this story helped people look deeper and further? Absolutely. I understand that. I see how it could be a way of evangelizing tool. I look at myself. But then again, I also realize that it's a deceptive in that nature, too, because if somebody just said that it preached them the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah, most people aren't going to want it. Absolutely not. Most people aren't going to want it. But that still needs to be preached. Because if it isn't, and it's not continuously preached, and even for people who are first coming to the Lord, this turned out, this is not turning out to be anything about. <laughs> but I have to do a new recording for it called Rename This, because this is not going to be about Revelation 18. Anyways, um, just because. It's a good, a good tool to introduce people to the name of Jesus Christ. It also is a very good tool to lead them down into legalism and a whole bunch of deception. And I know this because I was that. I went through that the past year and a half. And yeah, it sparks your interest to think and think more. That's great. But remember, none of these guys are sharing in the end with these people that it's error, it's, it's deception. No, they're mixing truth and error. And the little leaven poisons or ruins the whole lump. Is that what this, this, the saying is? Anyways. <sighs> Much like the book of Jasher. Anybody thinks the book of Jasher is worth anything, they're out of their freaking mind. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you really are. A lot of these people are the same people that actually pray to Mary, by the way. And they think that's okay. And that's of God, and that's it's not the truth. I mean, I've been demonstrating this in the show. Tatama, Mary, Loyola, Ignatius Loyola, Muhammad, all these guys, these false, no one questions that they're false prophets and how evil they were. No one in their right mind would. Personally, I believe that God preserved a few books to inspire history to help us know in the possible end times to fill in the, glam, in the blanks where Scripture is not clear to us living 2,000 years plus later and trying to understand things. Well, you can personally believe that all you want, but there's not to really support that claim at all, period. Nothing. But I would. It's a lot more to support the fact that maybe Satan's minions and all these false religions would use stuff like this to keep people from really understanding the pure, true gospel of Jesus Christ. For instance, in the historic book of Josephus, Josephus, which talks about the Nephilim, really, and their bones sitting in the museums in Jerusalem, really? And the time of at the time of Christ, really? Tell me, could you quote that for me? Could you find me the page number and the uh, where that's found, please? Both the Jewish and the Church Fathers believed in the Nephilim. Did they? It was, I believe, St. Augustine who started to squash the Nephilim idea. Well, it is all interesting and really, really, in my opinion, means nothing. God bless. And, of course, they always end with stuff like that. Oh, but my opinion means nothing. God bless. You know? Come out, shoot your darts, and go back and hide. Go out, shoot your darts, go back and hide. Weird. Weird behavior is what it really is. But that's what happens when you're mixed with uh, uh, idolatry and you're doing stuff like uh, spiritual contemplation 
and you're following after these quote unquote church fathers, which really are the desert fathers, and all the spiritualism and saying stuff like how oh, spiritual I am, you know, when really it means nothing. It means nothing. I know this because I was involved in it. So as I responded to this one, I said, first of all, I agree that, you're, that our opinion, our opinions don't mean much concerning such matters as Nephilim. I am more than willing to look at any text which is which supports or supported by hard facts on the matter concerning the historical accuracy of the book of Enoch. Please. And I got a reward here mixed around. That's what happened. So it's supposed to be send it my way if you know of such material uh, that there are. My spelling's bad. Please explain to me how fallen, corrupt angels have the ability to procreate with man. The only spirit that I know who had such a capacity was the true God of the Bible. For men to say that Satan and fallen angels have such abilities is blasphemy. It is wicked to put them in the same level and it's supposed to be as our creator. Demons can possess but cannot procreate with mankind. I'm sticking to that standard unless you can prove otherwise. As far as you and whoever finding large human bones, that does not prove that demons mated with humans. It does prove that there were very large people on Earth prior. It's supposed to be to a flood, which makes sense. Um, because they live so long according to the Bible. Plus, after the flood, there could have been tall and large people, as the Bible once again states. Nowhere in Scripture does it state clearly that demons can mate with humans. In no way does the story of the Nephilim's being fallen angels mating with humans challenge evolution. In fact, it supports spiritual evolution, which is even more apostate. Can you prove any of your statements with some hard facts concerning the book of Enoch, demons mating with humans? If not, then the only thing a man can say at best is that it's a fable. As far as skulls found in Peru, they are proving to be man-made deformities and nothing more. Just, uh, Just more snake oil salesmanship. Please prove me wrong. If not, then I have to chalk it up, chalk up this discussion as an exercise of futility and a defense of the defenseless. But the ball is in your court to prove your points. So I feel like I did as best as I could to respect this person. Then in response, I cannot even imagine for one minute worrying about how anyone feels about the Nephilim or Bigfoot or UFOs, all of which I think are interesting, but how we feel, and by the way, I don't know how we got feel for my email. I wasn't saying anything about feeling. I was asking for some proof. Feel. Goodness gracious, how we can feel about these things either way have no bearing on our salvation because our liberty is in Christ. I was just trying to have a little fun conversation. God bless. Well, apparently I ruined his fun, although I wasn't finding it very fun. And uh, as far as liberty and salvation is because of liberty in Christ, I agree with that. And as far as feelings go, well, if you want to operate on feelings, that's your, pro- that's your prerogative, but it's a fatal flaw. And as far as Nephilim, Bigfoot, and UFOs, I believe all of this is all a deception. 
a head game. No. Am I saying that people haven't seen things? Oh, no, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that, you know, us focusing on that stuff is a waste of time and energy. Keeps our focus off for the true answer, which is Jesus Christ. It might be fun. But nobody can uh, can back up any of this stuff, and you know what? That's the reality. No, yeah, there's the mass media, and they'll say all these cover-ups. But you know what? We've now had uh, ample time uh, through many other resources for people to come to the truth. The mass media, yeah, they're not going to tell you the truth. We already figured that one out. That's why we don't watch the television in the first place, right? Hopefully. Uh, the issue of the Nephilim does matter because, this is my response, because it is a deceptive, false teaching that leads a person back to Romanism and idolatry. The issue uh, is a very important that leads uh, people away from Jesus Christ and his true gospel and leads them back to fables. If you listen to the four-part series of the Nephilim, then you would know how it is not about how I feel, but biblical truth. <clears throat> and then he says, I give up grace to you in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Huh? And Oh, yeah, no, 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 there's something missing here, isn't there? There's another thing, there's another response, because then, um, Yeah, let's go back there. There's another response. Uh, if your interest is a good source is Tom... Horn, Skywatch TV, uh, this is another thing, she sends another one, Survival uh, Mail book, or whatever it is, books and videos, they often have great deals and giveaways. Also, L.A. Marzulli and Steve Quayle on the Nephilim. Which, you know what, if you listen to the show, you realize that I am not interested in Steve Quayle, L.A. Marzulli, or Tom Horn. I, I, I don't trust them. They're, they're part of this uh, bookseller, uh, Nephilim uh, Prophecy Club tour, and they're fear porn. They're they're deceptive. They're not really about the truth. And then where was the other one? Um, it says wow. Does it make much sense to scream so loud about the Inquisition and run by and run your own Inquisition? How am I running my own Inquisition? That's that's a flat out bold lie and a bold statement of that it needs to you need to see back 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 that up. Please step back and rest in Christ and learn to just be a Christian. Okay, tell me, this is Christian promoting a false doctrine that leads people away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ for a couple of years. You know what? I'm not going to do anything that you do because I know about you and for 30 to 40 years of quote-unquote being a Christian, what has it led you to? I'm not going to go down your path. I'm going to put, put my faith in Jesus Christ and the scriptures alone. Thank you for nothing. Thank you for nothing. You're going to burn yourself out again. Uh, burn myself out again? When was the first time I burned myself out? Trust me, I've been doing this a long time, and I've recently made a buttload of my own mistakes. Are you willing to admit your buttload of own mistakes? What are your buttload of own mistakes? Like spiritual contemplation? About being part of the emergent church? About promoting 
the Desert Fathers and their Catholic mysticism? What are you going to talk about? How about praying to Mary? What are you talking about? What are your mistakes? I'm willing to admit mine. What are your mistakes? What are your mistakes? And my response to, uh, let's see. And he had a whole list of names of other people. Um, yeah, and I said, do you realize that just about everyone you mentioned is a dispensational futurist and have been proven to be false teachers and are part of the emerging church movement? And let's see, where would you go with that? Because he doesn't, he brought, sent, sent me a whole bunch of list of people. Oh, here's the list of people that he said. David Hawking, David Jeremiah, Chuck Smith, Alistair Begg, Chuck Misler. This is after, you know, me bringing this Chuck Misler up in the first episode of what a false teacher is. Erwin Lutzer, Moody, Radio Calvary Chapel preachers like uh, Colin Smith. I like Paul Washer a little bit. I like him overall, yeah. And Dale Wilkerson, David Wilkerson, I like, but none of those men are promoting this Nephilim deception. And a couple other names. Did you ever think that it would be good to take a rest and just fill yourself with good preaching? Let your spirit heal up from all you have been taught and rest in the Lord. He does not need you or me, but he loves us and he we need him completely. Rest in him. What do you think I'm doing? The only difference between what I'm doing and what other people in my situation is I'm just recording my journey. What makes you think I'm not resting in the Lord? Because I challenge the deception of this, this Nephilim hybrid lie? I have a response to Paul Washer, Dave Wilkinson. Please send me any information from these two gentlemen supporting your position of what the Nephilim are the product of angels and humans. They are the only two that I know of that are credible. Uh, being a popular preacher does not equal credibility. Not even to the, not even close. And then he says this, and you know what, this is what I go through. So I can't have a rational conversation, a logical conversation with just about anybody. That's the reason why I record these. He says, I was mentioning Pastor Wilkinson and Washer and the other pastors so to help you heal up inside. You have been through a lot of spiritual garbage, and I asked him, what is the spiritual garbage? And, of course, he then said, I give up. God bless. Apparently, asking questions is something that most people just cannot accept. And through no fault of your own, every pastor I've mentioned is awesome and a good teacher. Well, uh, I've already demonstrated that Misler is not a good teacher, that Marsuli is not a good teacher, and that Chuck Smith is not a good teacher. With his his, his rapture, pre-trib rapture nonsense. He's very deceitful. And although he's passed away, I still have a right to mention him because he's on the internet. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. So you really like Chuck Smith. That's great. That's your business. I already know about Chuck Smith and I would not recommend him for anything. And then it says, uh, somebody else mentioned uh, Brendan Manning, Raul Rice, Erwin Lutzer, and he mentions all these names. I do not have a position on much of anything except all the sufficient grace of Christ. Well, that's not true because you just got through sending me all these emails about the Nephilim and how that's legit. Which is it? 
Make up your mind. You sound very confused to me. He is precious in all atoning blood and death of the cross. His incarnation through the Virgin Mary. And this is a person, by the way, that I know prays to Mary, and that's apostate as all get out. That's not biblical, and God will not recognize it, and it's part of the mark of the beast. And anybody that prays to Mary should be challenged and questioned about their thinking. They're clearly deceived, and they're practicing something that's anti-Christian. So he talks about all the things you want, but if you're praying, you know, you know this emphasis, and I know that this person prays for them. The powerful works of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the absolute love of our Abba Father, eternal glory. That's great. I like this. This is the spirit truth, you know, speaking of Christ and his death and uh, and on the cross is his uh, resurrection and his atoning blood. These are the things that we're supposed to talk about in the end of the day that are true. The Nephilim story about them, angels mating with women, is not true. It's not a biblical truth. The church, you know, the abundance of grace and gift and righteousness, and yeah, okay, great. <clears throat> So this is what I always end up going through, right? You know, you ever you ask questions and you challenge people on their wackiness, their fables, they turn this all into this. This is what they do because they can't back it up and because they're not thinking right and they're actually not under the influence of the Spirit, then they go back to this, which, you know, in some ways is good, in some ways it's very deceitful and manipulative. And this is the truth. And this is what we deal with with people call themselves Christians, they play these mind games with us. So once they, once you start asking the questions and their whole thought process falls apart, their whole belief system falls apart, then they back it, back up to, the, you know, their, their fallback is this. And by the way, it's the truth. Well, why didn't you speak the truth in the first place and just leave all the other nonsense out? That's the question I want to ask you. So anyways, he talks about the resurrection and the second coming, the powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and the absolute love of the Abba Father, eternal glory for the for the believer in Jesus Christ, the truth in Scripture. You know what? Yeah, this stuff is true. And uh, what does that have anything to do with anything I'm doing? Have I denied any of that? Uh, the only thing I was screwed up about was the Sabbath thing and this whole Trinity thing, which, by the way, most people are, and most people struggle with the Trinity thing forever. You know, the Bible calls it the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're three distinct, separate beings, yet they have one purpose. That's to serve our Heavenly Father. And that they are a part of the same God. And it's hard to understand the whole God blob thing, too, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Heavenly Father and to our Lord, Savior, and Jesus Christ, but it's a hard thing to understand. It's a hard thing to wrap our mortal minds around. That's nothing for me to be condemned, or that means that I am not saved because I don't understand it, or I questioned it, or I went down the wrong direction. Now, Sabbath goes as legalism, and it's not much different, really, in the day than if you don't believe in the Nephilim. That's legalism. It's not liberty in Christ. There's no liberty in any of that. The Nephilim story has no liberty in it. It's, it leads to bondage once again. It leads to Romanism and fables and fairy tales and idolatry. It says the message of Jesus, the God, is light, and we have uh, we must live in the light through drawing our own abundance of grace drawing on our own abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness by faith, prayer, repentance, confession, baptism, the body, the blood of Christ. Yeah, so why didn't you just start with that in the first place? Why not just focus on that? You know what? It wasn't a fun discussion that you were going after. You were attacking me. You were attacking, questioning me, my legitimacy of Nephilim deception. That's what you were doing. That wasn't about fun. You know darn well. You were attacking me. So I asked him, what spiritual garbage are you talking about? And then he ended up saying, I give up. 
So uh, apparently, you know, for most Christians, this is the problem. You can't actually ask questions. You can't challenge them about anything. If you say one bit thing, like maybe Revelation 13, um, that uh, a lot of us don't buy into this United States government, then it's just fellowship. If you question them on this whole thing about the uh, Nephilim, well, you know, they end up just getting all frustrated and they just fellowship you. And you know what? I haven't done anything wrong except ask the questions. Ask the questions. And that's how most people are trained not to tolerate and, and, and cannot accept. They don't want to accept it. They see it as you challenging their beliefs. Now, if their beliefs is based on flimsy evidence, then this the natural response that you'll end up being defensive about things. Anyways, I wasted an hour and 19 minutes on this thing. What a waste of time. Not to mention all the time, you know, looking at the, the, the emails and responding was just a waste of time. I think. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Anyways, as far as the spiritual garbage goes... Please explain to me the spiritual garbage that I'm going through. And as far as uh, having an inquisition, I mean, listen, if you don't want to buy into it, and I expect that 90% of those people called them Christians will not accept the truth about the fact of papacy and its role in their lives. It being the biblical and historical antichrist, but there's an awful lot of historicists and uh, the reformers, the, the people that actually gave you the Bible and gave you the truth, and forewarned you, and your uh, and your ancestors, and your parents, and your grandparents, and etc. That who it was. And if you think you're going to make me feel guilty about the fact that I'm going out uh, and exposing the biblical historical antichrist, no. I'm not going to. My thing that I've been guilty about in this show is I haven't shared enough about the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've admitted that, and I'm working on it. Not what God has blessed me with. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a guy with a show on talk show. It doesn't mean anything. I'm grateful for the people who listen and download. I do. It motivates me. It keeps me going. I know the people are listening, and that's great. But you know, if there was only one person a week that downloaded the show, I would still do this. So, um, you know, this is not about ratings. This is not about winning people over. This is my journey to find the truth. And part of the truth that I've discovered is that the papacy is responsible for a lot of our suffering. And that it is what is being talked about in Revelations 18 and 13, and uh, Second Thessalonians 2, and a lot of other things. The Roman Church. The Roman Empire. A lot of areas in the Bible talks about that. And for you, just accuse me of some kind of inquisition of my own. It's absurd, it's disrespectful, and it demonstrates once again who you really are. Who are you? Why don't you just come out and say it? Who are you? As for me, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ and Scripture scriptural, and that's what I want to be, and I will expose the enemy. Do I think exposing the enemy is going to save me? Is this a Celtic issue that I'm going to save? Is this show saving me? No. Christ saves me. This show has much more other issues Temporal issues. Keeps me going. Keeps me fighting. Keeps me searching for the truth. God has given this as a little blessing he's given to me. Keep going. With all the health issues, with the, the, all the personal issues, and everything going on in my life, God has given me this little thing. He brought people in my life to allow this to happen. And I'm going to do the best of my ability, limited ability, to share the truth with people. 
And the truth is, it comes to this whole Nephilim hybrid fallen angels mating with women thing is a bunch of bunk. It's nonsense. It's blasphemy. And it gives Satan and fallen angels way too much credit. More than they deserve. All right. Well, that was supposed to, you know, the show was supposed to be something, anything else but this, but I guess this is what needed to be addressed. So. God bless and take care.